Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care Podcast. So trying to condense all the vinyl groups and vasopressors into a single five-minute podcast is of course doomed to fail from the start, but that has never stopped me before. The main reference for this is O's Manual Chapter 92 by John Myberg, who is known to me from various lectures for describing adrenaline as God's own anitrope, and in the same lecture describing dibutamine as the devil's semen. I've also heard him say with regards to fluid choice in the ICU that you can give cat's piss if you like, as long as you do it carefully. The chapter here begins with a brief discussion on some of the physiology, noting that about 20% of the blood volume is held in the large conducting arterial vessels, meaning that the majority of the blood is held in the smaller vessels and the venous structures. This larger venous proportion is often referred to as the unstressed volume. I think of it like the lazy river in a swimming pool, slowly meandering its way back to the right ventricle, while the arterial side is the flumes that you weren't allowed um, down until you were seven years old, and you secretly always had some unconscious fear that you'd enter in and never leave them again. But anyway, that's enough about my childhood. Uh, Blood in this lazy river of unstressed volume returns in the venous side along a gradient from something called the mean systemic filling pressure to the lower right atrial pressure. Uh, So you've got a higher mean systemic filling pressure and then a lower right atrial pressure or CVP. So maintenance of a lower CVP will therefore aid with venous return. In terms of improving cardiac output, autotransfusion of this unstressed volume and increasing preload to, the, to the, the heart is the easiest and the quickest and most effective way of improving cardiac output. Altering vascular tone and cardiac output can be done then through a variety of systems in the body. We have the adrenergic system, the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, the RAS system, and we have the vaso vasopressinergic system which exists on its own, we have the glucocorticoid system and then we have local systems such as nitric oxide and endothelin that all have effects on these things as well. Finally, the determinants of cardiac output are stroke volume and heart rate. And heart rate in particular is very easy to measure and will cause issues at either end of the spectrum. So when it's too low, the overall cardiac output is too low. And at some point, it's too fast. It starts to impair cardiac and coronary filling, hence impairing stroke volume itself. So pretty much all vasoactive medications have the same endpoint. That is the release, utilisation or sequestration of intracellular calcium. There's various methods to get there, many of which are cyclic AMP dependent, but calcium is the endpoint. So first off, our beloved catecholamines. These are typically our first line in the fight against maps less than 65mm of mercury. We have a fairly bewildering range of options available to us, all with their own nuances. And the nuances stem from the variety of catecholamine receptor biology we have evolved over the millennia. We know the basics of alpha and beta, but these can be extensively subdivided further in forms that only reinforces how little I understand about medicine, despite over 20 years of studying it. For exam purposes, I find having a very rudimentary understanding of the differences between alpha and beta stimuli um, to be useful. So following a beta receptor stimulus, there is increased cyclic AMP, while following an alpha receptor stimulus, something called phospholipase C is engaged. And that is about the height of what I managed to retain from exams. Uh, Tachophylaxis is a common clinical phenomenon um, with the adrenergic drugs and Reduced receptor density, sequestration and enzymatic uncoupling are all part of downregulation that leads to this tachyphylaxis phenomenon. Of note, steroids act as pressors probably by increasing receptor sensitivity to catecholamines. So both adrenaline and noradrenaline are predominantly beta in action at lower doses with the alpha effect coming in at higher doses. Pretty much all the synthetic catecholamines are beta in action with the obvious exception being phenylephrine as a pure alpha. 
Myberg is keen to make the point that at doses we use, the catecholamines have no effect on arterial tone or cabbage grafts or vascular grafts, which is a frequent concern of our surgical colleagues who are understandably somewhat precious about their grafts and anastomoses. However, it seems that when they do go ischemic, it's not the use of catecholamines is to blame, but rather the severity of illness that requires the use of said catecholamines. It is acknowledged that necrosis is common, but more likely due to microthrombosis from sepsis rather than vasoconstriction from pressors. Next up, let's look at the phosphodiesterase inhibitors. Here we have milrinone and oxymone, levosimendin, they're all in the same bucket. They work mainly by non-receptor-mediated inhibition of phosphodiesterase, ultimately resulting in increased cyclic AMP. They are thought to be unique in that they may improve lucitropy, which is the ability of the heart to relax. All will come with potent vasodilation, so expect to have to crank up your pressors to compensate. Uh, of note, they do not seem to suffer from tolerance and tachyphylaxis. It's reported that they can inhibit platelet aggregation, but it's unclear how significant this is in real life. And a major downside in their use is the prolonged half-life, and there is a dependence on working kidneys for excretion. Uh, Vasopressin is another obvious category to discuss, to discuss, but I'm going to save that for its own entry in due course. So references for this post, you can look at O's Manual Chapter 92, and I'd highly recommend checking out there's a little short 18-minute video on macro circulation physiology by Ashley Miller at ICM Teaching, um, and you can find that link to in the show notes as well. It's a really nice discussion of things like mean systemic filling pressure and preload and all that kind of stuff. Okay, thank you for listening, and until next time.